Hey, it's Mike here from Music Radio Creative. Just before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a free exclusive audio download for you as a podcast listener. If you'd like to claim it, head over now to mrc.fm forward slash play. That's P-L-A-Y, mrc.fm forward slash play and enjoy the episode. Want the exact Adobe Audition multi-track template we use to produce audio of music radio creative? Get it at mrc.fm slash presets. Hi, I'm Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative. Welcome to the Adobe Audition podcast, where I'm interviewing power users of Adobe Audition. We'll reminisce back to Cool Edit Pro and take you right up to date with Adobe Audition CC. If you'd like to learn about audio production, everything from vocal effects to radio imaging, commercial production to music mixing, join my next audio production course at mrc.fm slash learn. That's mrc.fm slash l-e-a-r-n learn. Master Adobe Audition. Training, workshops, one-on-one coaching, courses. Head to mrc.fm slash learn. My guest on this show is David Johnston. He received his Bachelor of Science degree in Computer Science from the University of Washington in 1992. Right now, he's a principal software design engineer with the Audio and Acoustics Research Group in Microsoft Research Labs, joining in 2011. But the reason you may know David Johnston is in the early 90s, or even I would say perhaps, and we'll find out from David, the late 80s, David started to create CoolEdit. That was a, originally it was a stereo audio editor for Windows. I even believe it might have had a DOS version as well. Um, And in 1995, uh, Centrillium came about. Uh, David co-founded Centrillium Software, developed the multi-track studio audio editor. I remember when multi-track editing came, it was just amazing. And that, of course, was Cool Edit Pro, of course, initially 1.0, all the way up to version 2.1. And then he finally sold the company to Adobe in 2003 and continued to work on what became Adobe Audition right the way through until 2010. Now, I'll delve into this a little bit during the show with David, uh, but currently I understand David is working on uh, things that include spatial audio for HoloLens and Windows. So really exciting stuff, exciting guest, David, I'm so excited to have you on. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a real honor and a pleasure. So let's start with a trip down memory lane. Let's go back to the late 80s, the early 90s, and what you were doing then, David. Cool Edit, not even Cool Edit Pro. How did that first come to be? What was the idea? How did that spark initiate? Yeah, well, actually, that probably back in the 80s, I was, late 80s, I was using a program on the Macintosh called Sound Edit. And that was so much fun being able to like record your voice and change it and add effects and everything. And, but, um, I had a PC at home and I wasn't able to do all that. So I had to write the stuff myself to do the same thing. And then, um, yeah, so I'd done small little programs like that. And then around 1991 in that summer, um, I, windows wasn't even really much of windows yet. It was still on version 2.1, which, really hard to use so i had to use make my own um user interface and windows and dialogues and everything and and then uh, being able to record sound and then play it back um and again back then computers were really small i had about um maybe one and a half seconds of memory in ram that you could hold of audio so i had to have everything running off of the, the hard disk so i had to be very efficient at reading an audio off the hard disk and playing it and you know and throwing it away and getting more audio and so on and, um 
yeah, anyway, so it was quite a struggle back then. But I did get something running in Windows 3.1. And then the first release of Shareware was uh, January, basically in 1992. Um, so hence the 25 years. Like you mentioned there, it was playing initially with the, uh, uh, the software on Mac and thinking, hey, I'd like something like this on Windows. So going back to those days, you, you mentioned uh, Windows 3.1. And was it, was it 3.1 or was it Windows 98 where there was a piece of software called Sound Recorder? So was CoolEdit before or after the, the native kind of sound recorder that was there? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is about five years before that. And there was a... Um, I think there was just something to record your your voice and play it back, but it didn't have any effects or do anything. So it wasn't um, so much help if it was even in there. Um, again, this was a 16-bit version of Windows and well before the first Windows 95 and everything. And, um, but it was really cool that it actually worked. And so actually that's why I called it um, Cool Edit because... It was like sound edit, but cooler. <laughs> so that's how the name came about. That's an awesome story. So yeah, cool edit. Um, and I understand initially it started as a very basic single track editor, and then it progressed to the multi track editor. Is that is that right? Maybe you can take us through the story of how that happened. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was just a two track editor for because I was really interested in stereo audio and stereo effects, and was playing around with like this. Uh, uh, brainwave synchronizer effect. I think Jason was talking about earlier in an earlier episode there, and just uh, kind of basically just an audio playground, just to experiment. You know, write the code and then hear how it sounds. And then if something worked out well, I would post it online. I'd have to post it to a bulletin board because this was before we had the web. Um, and then after when the web came out, <laughs> it was a lot easier because then I could just have a. Um, hosted up on a website and people could download it and that actually that's when sales started really taking off so I definitely want to get into uh, a little bit more behind the the success and how Cool Edit and then Cool Edit Pro uh, took off. But I, I just heard you mention there the Brainwave Synchronizer, which you're right um, in an earlier episode, episode two of this podcast. Uh, I was talking to Jason about it. Tell us the story behind that, and and did it actually work? Did it bring you into a a state of <laughs> flow or anything like that? Well, if nothing else, there was a great placebo effect. Um, it, it may have actually worked. I've had people who say they have tried it and and hooked themselves up to an EEG and measured it and showed that between um, somewhere between theta waves and alpha waves, like five hertz and 10 hertz, it was actually working, they said. Yeah, so uh, someone needs to, to bring that back in one form or another. That was, uh, that was an interesting experimental feature. <laughs> so let's talk about the, um, the secret behind CoolEdit and CoolEdit Pro's success. Um, now, certainly from my professional career, before I, um, now I work for myself, um, I'm a podcaster, um, but I did work in radio for a couple of decades, and it seemed to be the standard audio editor in every radio station I ever worked at. So how did you get so prolific with that software? How did that happen? I don't know. I was about just as amazed as you were, I guess. We started getting these uh, registrations from, you know, people at different radio stations, even people here, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and in, in Seattle, I um, even got a registration from, uh, was I think it was Norm Gregory. I remember being a, a Como radio person. I'm like, what? Como radio uses this? And, you know, about 10 years later, we did a tour of Como studios and they were still using it. So that was pretty interesting. It just turned out to be a, 
Um, I tried to write the program so it'd be easy for me to use. And, you know, if something kind of got in the way of the flow, then I would try to fix that and make it easier. And it must have worked for more people than just myself. Definitely. So, yeah, what started as a, as a project, uh, I guess a passion project for yourself, David, turned into something yeah. quite amazing. I'd be so- working out of my kitchen, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it started out with uh, I was just working um, at a day job at Microsoft. But in the evenings and weekends, I just spend my whole time using the computer in our kitchen, (laughs) trying to write the code and then uh, also try to handle all the people sending in shareware checks. And that took a lot of time too, which is why I had to start a company and had a partner and everything and was able to do things a lot uh, quicker with their help. That's my kind of project. That sounds amazing. (laughs) So radio, obviously a, a big part of your user base, but who else in the early days, what kind of other people or other organizations uh, were using cool edit? Uh, did you understand from the early days? Yeah, well, we're pretty excited that the, we heard that the BBC were using it. And, uh, again, that's also radio. Some interesting, um, things we found were researchers, people who are doing like bird songs or, um, uh, whale calls or dolphin whistles. They were using the spectral features of Audition in order to you know, actually see what the um, sound of the animal is. And, and they can you know identify animals by the sounds they were making and things like that. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. using There's so much that, you, like you say, you can see in the spect- spectral view. Um, I mean, now it's, it's fantastic for noise reduction. That, that, there's that terrible parrot or uh, squawking sound. You can kind of paint over it and take it out without damaging too much of the surrounding sound. So Yeah. Yeah. That was my idea. I thought that'd be kind of cool to make it kind of like Photoshop, you know, where you can just, if you can see the sound, why can't you just modify it or delete it or do whatever you want with it. I love that. And it's, uh, yeah, it saves so many recordings, just uh, being able to, like you say, paint over it like Photoshop style. Um, so let's talk about, okay, so you mentioned about uh, starting off from your kitchen uh, while you were still working at Microsoft. And then eventually, I think it was around uh, 1995 that you co-founded Centrillium. It was 2003 uh, that the company was sold to Adobe. So in 1995, when that came about and uh It became uh, a little bit more than just a kitchen project. You had um, developers uh, working for you. Uh, Eventually, I believe you you were managing a team of five developers uh, uh, by 2003. So it grew and grew and grew. And you must have come across a lot of different challenges as you were developing out the software. And no doubt you were getting feedback from users saying it would be good if we could have this or if something like this could exist. So what were some of the the real challenges that you came across during those Centrillium days? Yeah, well, starting the company was a a lot of fun. It actually um, made it less challenging when I actually had a partner to do a lot of the work and help out so I could focus fully on development. And that's why we were able to do the um, Cool Edit Pro. And so, yeah, one challenge was uh, just working on that multi-track, trying to get it to work on the slower machines of the day. Um, You know, say you want to, back then, if you had, say, 10 tracks, that's about all you could um, do live if you're going to be doing mixing, but we wanted to do a lot more. So I came up with a system that could do 60 or 100 tracks if you needed to do a lot by doing a lot of pre-mixing of stuff in the background. By the time you actually wanted to play the audio, um, everything was already mixed in. And if you want to like move one track in time, you could unmix that from the whole multi-track so you can move it so you can mix it in live in real time and anyway a lot of these tricks were put in there so that it could be efficient um and then when that actually worked uh it was a um it was pretty awesome to hear just to be able to 
build really large, uh, you know, sessions like uh, you'd actually use if you had your own band. And- so um, Cool Edit and Cool Edit Pro, um, I seem to remember it for just the fantastic voice changing capabilities and the fact you could do all these uh, pitches and, uh, and stretches and uh, uh, add flanger, modulation, chorus, all of that great stuff. Was there any particular effect that you worked on that was your real passion, something that you were really passionate about? What was your favorite effect beyond just the, the multi-track editing capabilities? Uh, anything that particularly interested you? Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, just experimenting with all those different effects. And so um, one kind of fun effect, which is in there for a number of years, uh, allowed you to take a photograph and then convert it to um, actually convert it into a picture in spectral view. So whatever the picture showed, you'd actually see it if you saw it in spectral view. And just coming up with the math for that and and making it sound good and so on was uh, pretty fun. Other effects like the um, what we call the full reverb. So instead of just a standard reverb, you could control how the each each frequency kind of decays over time. So you could have it more more boomy or more high end, you know, echoey and stuff like that. Um, just yeah, all those effects in general were just uh, a blast to work on and. And, uh, and then just, and also being able to publish it and put it out there within a few months after writing it so people could try it out. I can get feedback right away and if they liked it. I can work more on that effect and make it better and so on. The photo convert to a picture, uh, inside the spectral view of, um, cool edit or cool edit pro. I'm really interested in that. So how did a photo sound? <laughs> um, I could probably, I don't know if you can hear this. Oh, wow. So that's a picture of my dog. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> can we can we do that today? So if you have a look at it in spectral view, you'll see a dog there. Wow. Yeah. Is it is it still possible to do something like that? I would like to do something like that. Well, I know Audition 3 still had that. And actually, I do use Audition 3 quite often just because there is a lot of extra features in there which haven't quite made it, you know, not just the brainwave synchronizer, but many other, you know, there's a spectral pan view. And I'm not sure that if this uh, spectral save feature convert to spectrogram is in there. So um, Audition 3 still has it if you can get your hands on it. It's fun to play with. Definitely. That's a, that's amazing. <laughs> so you can, you can create pictures in, in the spectral frequencies display. That's just absolutely uh, blowing my mind. Yeah, you can even export it, edit in Photoshop, and then bring it back in to see what it sounds like. Photoshop editing, that's so, <laughs> so cool. And I seem to remember Audition 3, um, that seemed to have something. Was it Audition 3 or was it earlier where you had the musical notes and you could put musical notes oh, yeah. on? And you could kind of, it was pitch shifting to a tune, right? Yeah. In fact, I think that might not have already made it all the way to Audition 3, but that was in, you know, all the Cool Edit, Cool Edit Pro and so on. And that was, yeah, that was one of the very early things. I think I put that in there around 94 or so. And and that was kind of based off, again, back with sound edit. They had a, you can take a sound and then assign it to your keys and you can hit the keys on the keyboard and play it like a piano, whatever your sound was, like a dog barking, jingle bells or something. And so I thought, well, I'll take this a step further since I have the, um, the pitch shifter and stretch functions, take whatever sound you want and then just pitch shift and stretch it and so on to match the, the score that you put on there. Um, and did actually work, but it's kind of, you know, the user interface was, well, it looks like uh, 1993 and it didn't really improve much since then, but, but it did sound good. <laughs> I remember those little, uh, I think they were blue musical notes. That's so you one. were maybe, um, 
Yeah, you, you, were, you were heading towards uh, a kind of auto-tune, really. I, I don't remember when auto-tune initially came around. Maybe that was in the, the late 90s or something like that, possibly. So you were kind of almost heading in that direction. Yeah, in fact, we were doing some auto-tune-like stuff, some Facebook coder stuff and so on, too. About the same time, Cher did her song with uh, auto-tune vocals, and everyone's like, auto-tune. And yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we, we were able to do um, stuff like that. And I think there is a similar feature even in... Um, it was at least an audition three, I remember. Wow, really, really cool. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the the late 90s, Share Believe. Um, I think Eiffel 65, Blue Dabadee, that was another one. Uh, it was definitely a big trend. So, wow, really, really interesting. So, um, I want to dig into to more of your knowledge, obviously, of the cool edit days, but also uh, look ahead to the future with you, David, as well. Uh, obviously, now you're working on cutting-edge audio technologies at Microsoft, uh, including uh, projects with the the HoloLens, which sounds amazing. Let's just let's talk about that for a moment and uh, and look into HoloLens. So, I think I understand what HoloLens is, but I'm sure you'll explain it better. Is it a mixed reality kind of visor? Um, exactly. Yeah. Mixed reality. So you can see through it. So you can see the real world, but at the same time you can put computer images in in front of your eyes or in place in the real world. So actually, you know, like holograms. So if you put them on, you'll see a glowing object somewhere in your environment. And the stuff that I was working on with my other researchers was to get, um, the sound to come from that exact location. So if you had a, a bird or something somewhere and it was chirping, you could walk around it and the sound would be coming directly from that exact spot. Um, so yeah, they needed something that would have the, the again, spatial audio. You need to, if you can see the hologram easy with the visor, but if there's an object behind you or on the side, you can't see it, but you need to have your attention drawn to it. The only way to do that is, is with sound and, and it has to sound like it's really coming from that location. So you can turn your head to view it. So we were able to do, achieve that. How would someone actually create sounds in certain areas around the head? Is there, is there for, I don't know, game developers or people developing for this uh, software for HoloLens, do they have an editor where they can place objects? Yes, um, it depends on the kit you're using. Like, like there's Unity plugins, for example, so you can build your app in Unity and you can also assign sounds to your, the objects in Unity that are in 3D space and the sounds will just come from there automatically. That's brilliant. And are there other possibilities? I mean, could you could you create a whole musical composition in, in this kind of sound? Well, you could. I mean, I've experimented with taking some, say, a 20-track session and then just placing the objects in 3D space just to hear how it sounds, you know, as if you were, like, in the middle of the band playing and, you know, and just setting that up pretty quickly. It, it does have some really nice... It sounds pretty cool, you know, because you can, like, walk around and, you know, sit next to the bass player or stand next to the vocalist and it sounds pretty good. So there's a lot of possibility there. And again, um, folks out there could, if they get the HoloLens development kit or the Windows Mixed Reality um, kit, you can start um, building these things, start placing objects in 3D space and put music out there. That's great. So that's some of your current work. What about something you'd like to work on in the future? Uh, Maybe a really cool project that you really want to get involved in uh, coming up in your future. What would you look towards? Well, there's a lot more um, work going on with uh, machine learning and neural networks and so on. So there seems to be still plenty of applications where that could be quite useful for audio. Um, One thing we've been experimenting with just uh, you know, removing certain background noises. You know, if you want, want to remove one sound but not another, or just to clean up speech better, um, you can use a neural net to train 
I know the background sounds or to recognize um, sounds that are in the background. Um, one project uh, we worked with, uh, worked with someone last summer on, and that was um, they were using machine learning just to identify sounds in the environment for people who are deaf. So if a fire alarm or a fire truck is making a sound or a, you know, there's a dog barking outside or someone knocking on the door, um, their phone would alert them to all the sounds that are going on in their environment all done with machine learning. So it just, there seems to be a lot of possibilities um, going that direction. So um, the latest thing I also heard, you may have heard uh, Google was creating um, basically music from scratch. You give it a whole lot of examples of music and then it'll just start generating this um, music of that style or something like that, um, just out of its own, like a deep dream, but for music. And some of those examples are sound quite promising. But they take a whole lot of compute power. I bet. But really, really interesting projects for the future. So like you mentioned, machine learning, a big part of the future. Um, So do you see artificial intelligence uh, and and machine learning becoming more and more involved in the audio creation of the future and perhaps maybe not replacing producers because I think that worries everyone, (laughs) but maybe taking away the boring jobs like the, uh, like you say, like cleaning up dialogue or maybe, I mean, the biggest thing I I hear every single day is uh, how do I make my voice sound good? What, what EQ do I apply? How do I compress it? So it sounds good when I compress it, it brings the breaths up too much. Do you think artificial intelligence will be able to help us with things like that? And maybe more. Become a great audio producer. Learn the secrets of creating great sounding audio. Go to mrc.fm slash learn. Uh, yeah, I think you'd be, be able to just work with it hand in hand. It probably won't replace anybody um, unless it's a really mundane kind of work. But you can work with the uh, um, uh, person using it. So, for example, let's say you have a radio announcer and you really like the way they sound. Well, you sh- should be able to then um, analyze the way that sounds and then with the artificial intelligence, build a model of that, and then maybe apply it to your own voice or any other any other sound to make it sound like the thing you wanted. So, um, anyway, there's some possibilities there. Even if you have like a really cheap microphone, you could synthesize all the other harmonics and everything you need to make it sound like you have a really good microphone. Um, perhaps <laughs> someone has to work on that. <laughs> a $50 microphone suddenly sounds like a, a Neumann TLM 103 and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. So, okay, we're getting into interesting territory here. I assume you have um, seen uh, the Adobe Voco project. I'd love to know where, where you can record, I think it's 20 minutes worth of speech of anyone. So somebody could record a speech of a celebrity speaking. And then uh, this is just for anyone listening who's not aware of the project. And then apparently you can then make their voice say anything just by typing text into a kind of word processor. Um, first of all, what are your thoughts? Where do you see that going? Is it good? Is it dangerous? I'd love to know what you think. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard about that last year myself and listened to some of the examples. And, and that's yeah, definitely machine learning where it's, you're just learning all the characteristics of one person's voice. You know, if you know that person says an A this way and so on, maps it all out. And then the text-to-speech yeah, it, it sounds like the person's voice, but, you know, currently you can a person can still tell it's a computer speaking and not a person. You know, there's still um, work to be done there. Um, it could get kind of kind of scary overall. They might need to put some watermarking in there if it gets too perfect so that uh, any software that does this, you can you can tell under a frequency analysis or something like that, you know, that it was actually synthesized and not the real person might have to 
think about how to do all that. <laughs> Find some way because, yeah, Photoshop definitely, it changed the landscape, Photoshop, with being able to, to Photoshop an image. So, yeah, the same thing coming to audio, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's basically, yeah, exactly the same thing, but now you have to deal with it all over again with audio. Absolutely. And so you look at um, something like the Alexa or Google Home and uh, and Siri even, they they have voices, and I, I assume from what I understand, I may be wrong, um, a voice artist initially records a kind of voice profile or footprint, and then the the assistant's voice is based off a real human voice. Is that what you understand? Do you know much about that that particular? Yeah, that's pretty much what I understand. In fact, I hear that if you want to, there are ways you can just go in and do that with your own voice, go in for a few hours of recording, and you can have it, you know, Siri be you, I guess, or... Um, but I'm not sure the process. I'm sure someone could look that up. But it would be uh, really handy if there's a person who is, uh, say, they have a disability where they lost their voice. And if they have enough recordings of their voice, they can actually synthesize their actual voice back. And so I do see some pretty cool uses for this technology as well. This is great. Uh, I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm actually making notes as I speak to you, David, because your 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 take and your uh, knowledge, your broad knowledge on audio, is is just amazing. So uh, this is definitely going to be a, a replay episode for uh, those listening to the show. So okay, let's go in a different direction now. Uh, let's go back to your childhood, David, and look at your maybe one of your first memories around audio that made you smile and kind of got you started on this journey. Obviously, then you got to the Mac and the editing software. And thought I would like software like that came along for Windows but way before that what was it that really kind of made the the fire inside you light up when you heard audio what was that for you I think I was seven or eight my grandmother got me one of those uh cassette recorders like a Radio Shack cassette recorder um and it was I started like pretending I was being an announcer and you know I'd, I'd get a book and start reading the book and so I, that's a fun tape to go back and listen to when you're but then I got to uh I found out that if I put a little piece of foil over the erase what turned out turned out to be the erase head on there I could then start doubling my voice and tripling it and I could have like 10 of me talking at once but that was kind of fun and then I opened up the back of the recorder and I found out if I put my um thumb on the on the belt i could slow it down and record it that way then i play it back it comes out really fast i can control you know the, the pitch of what i'm going to recording that way so i even uh, soldered a little post in there so it would run at a slower speed do some recordings and then undo it and play it back and anyway me and my friends would just have a blast you know just pretending to do commercials and things like that and then play it back all really high pitched and um and again, I even found that tape too and sent it to my friends and they had a fun time listening to it again. So it just started with that. Being able to manipulate audio was a lot of fun. And in high school, I was the kid that uh, basically was in the corner playing on the computer when no one else knew what a computer was. And I'd also um, build synthesizers and things from scratch. So it turned out, uh, yeah, I built a, a nice uh, sequencer, which I used to play like Pac-Man music. You can, I could program in the type noises and then play it back. That um, guitar amplifier there. So we go to like a basketball game in high school. I plug this into the guitar amp and I get the wonka, 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 all those noises uh, and so on. And, and that was a lot of fun until, you know, the, the power went out on my thing and I had to reprogram it within like one minute or so to <laughs> get the sound effects in again. Um, but it, it got me on the band bus and everything. So I got to go on these long trips and it's a lot of fun. That's great. So you were doing cool edit effects before cool edit existed. <laughs> yeah. Just in the hardware alone. Yeah. That's amazing. So what editing features 
do you see today existing in, in software like Adobe Audition uh, and other software uh, that you never could have imagined back in the, the late 80s and 90s? What really blows your mind today in audio technology? Oh, man. Um, most ev- Just about everything it does today it would have taken hours to do just a few seconds worth of audio back then. So it's all so amazing. Um, I look at it sometimes and, uh, you know, just, just being able to work live in the spectral view, you know, that would just be uh, unheard of, you know, in the, uh, in say like, you know, 90, cool at 95 and 96 neural network kind of stuff is, yeah, wasn't even invented back then. So just the amazing um, things you can get with that. I'm just looking at a copy of a, just like Audition 3 and CC in front of me here. Yeah, the restoration tools that, that we have now um, are just uh, way ahead of what used to be there. Um, and actually at work uh, at Microsoft, I do a lot of work with 64 channel audio. So just like one recording, 64 channels to get the full sound field from all directions. And just being able to manipulate that, play it back in real time and apply an HRTF to it so a person listening to it sounds like they're at the place where the recording was made and they can't tell the differences if between if they're actually there live or they're listening to the recording. Um, things like that and just couldn't have even uh, imagined. I did have a small HRTF uh, module that I don't think we ever shipped, but I had it um, running to experiment with. And it you know, I can kind of get sounds to sound like they're coming from your left or above your head and things like that, but it wasn't, wasn't quite perfect, you know, and 20 years later doing the work for HoloLens, it's the exact same thing. It's the HRTF, which lets, allows you to externalize the audio outside your head. And, but now it actually works and all the science behind it, you know, makes it work perfectly. So, um, yeah, I would have never imagined that having that before. So some some fantastic features that exist today. Do you, do you have any uh, features or any audio technologies that you'd like to see in the future that maybe don't exist that you dream about? Well, there's the uh, yeah maybe just um, applying one music style to another recording. So let's say I have a sample of a bunch of um, um, symphony music now using that for the training. Now I just want to whistle a song and then have it come back out, turn it back into a symphony based on that whistle, something like that. So it's like the, uh, with images, you can do a neural style transfer. So this would be like an audio style transfer. It'd be pretty cool. And that requires a lot of the AI work to do that. Definitely. But um, yeah, my goodness, <laughs> this is a really inspiring conversation. So, okay. So um, as we get towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you for a little bit of advice uh, to people who are working or aspiring to work in the industry. Um, but just before I get to that, I'd like to know what's the next great project that you're working on right now. So you're heavily involved in HoloLens. Uh, any, anything else kind of on the horizon or that you're working on right now? Um, yeah, it's, it's essentially that kind of work, you know, um, spatial audio is a big part of it, uh, or uh, like I mentioned, the 64 channel recording, uh, to capture whole sound fields and then playing that back and just other ways, just more work on getting things to sound more realistic, you know, where you are. So in HoloLens, let's say you're using a HoloLens in a small room, you know, you'd want the objects to sound like you're in a small room versus whether you're outdoors, you want the object to sound like you're in a larger space. Um, there's things like that, trying to figure out how to get all the math to work behind that. And, um, there's a lot more to be done. It's, it's no, not everything has been invented just yet when it comes to audio. Indeed. 
Absolutely. And uh, on an earlier episode, I, w- I was speaking to Maxim Jago, who's uh, uh, very into uh, virtual reality, mixed reality. And he mentioned a term I'd never heard of before called real reality. Uh, I assume you've, you've heard of the term. And uh, so you will be the audio guy when we eventually get into our real reality. You will be the guy writing the code <laughs> for that, right? At least I hope I have some hand in it. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. So exciting. All right, so um, uh, a lot of people listening to the show right now. Um, uh, let's talk to that one person right now who is aspiring uh, to be an audio creator, to get into the audio industry in some form or another. Uh, with your experience over the years, um, creating Cool Edit, starting up your own company in 1995, eventually selling that company to Adobe in 2003, working with the audition team um, until 2010, uh, and of course working, I believe, also on Google Chrome OS and, uh, and now your current work at, at Microsoft for HoloLens and Windows. Um, so take all of that knowledge and try and condense it down into a, a single piece of advice if you can uh, and give it to the, the listener right now who's aspiring to be in this industry. What would you say to them? Well, basically look at what it is you're doing um, when you're not doing your work. What is it you enjoy doing? And see if that you can apply that to, uh, uh, to what you want to work on. For instance, when I was doing Cool Edit, um, it was all just done on my spare time because I actually had an actual daytime job and at Microsoft. Um, but it was just so exciting. I just kept at it. And if you really have a passion for what you're working on, you know, nothing's going to um, stop you. You're going to be able to um, go a lot further than you expect. And I think it'll also, it also shows when other people see the work you do, they can see the um, amount of passion and effort you put into it. And um, in the end, even if you don't get reward, rewarded right away, just keep at it, you know. If you're doing a podcast and no one's listening right away, just just keep doing it if you're having fun and uh, they'll come. Really, really solid advice. I like that. David, thank you so much for joining me. And for anybody who's interested now to find you online, where's the best place for them to go? Um, you can just email me at my uh, zendogsoftware.com. So just do um, david at zendogsoftware.com. Com. So that's a side company I did to sell some of the other programs we had at Centrillium after we sold to Adobe. Well, David, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining me on All the right, show. All right, sure, no problem. It was a lot of fun. Can't wait to listen to this episode. If you want to grab the exact Adobe Audition template I use, head over to mrc.fm slash presets. That's mrc.fm slash presets, and you can grab my Adobe Audition multi-track template there. Hey, it's Mike back again, and I just wanted to let you know, as a podcast listener, to go and grab your free exclusive audio download from us here at Music Radio Creative. Just head over to mrc.fm forward slash play.